you said you do algorithms? Yeah. yeah. What do you know about algorithms? Hello listeners, my name is Jenny Bamu, and I'm your co-host for the Ed Surge On Air podcast. Those were the voices of first grade students I visited earlier this week in the Brooklyn Public School here in New York. And yes, they were schooling me on algorithms and programming during your school's hour of code. This week is Computer Science Education Week, where CS teachers get to shine for their schools. But what does it really mean to prepare students for a future in coding careers? Well, our guest today, Clive Thompson, a freelance writer for Wired and the New York Times Magazine, will talk with me about the future of programming work in the United States and the realities that these students will have to face in their future job search. is Computer Science Education Week, which is a week full of coding. Yet earlier this year, our guest, Clive Thompson, a freelance writer for Wired and New York Times and the New York Times Magazine, challenged the coding movement a little bit with some tough questions about the future of the coding economy. In a very popular Wired article, at least popular in my circle, titled The Next Big Blue Collar Job is Coding, Thompson critiques pop culture and some other writers, like himself and probably me, for over-promoting the lone genius coder, the Zuckerbergs and Mr. Robots of the world, saying that it's not what every coder looks like and that's not what every coder will be. So, Mr. Thompson, welcome to the Ed Surge on Air podcast. Yeah, good to be here. Excellent. So um, just to start off, we'll kind of rehash a little bit for our readers who haven't read your work before, which they probably should, just going to say. Um, but refresh for us, why is coding expected to, expected to be the blue-collar work of the future? Well, it's partly because, um, partly because it's growing so, so widely and so rapidly and broadly. And what I mean is, like, you know, uh, if you look at all the different, you know, sort of, categories of work and you look at the labor force projections coding is 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 programming jobs are set to grow pretty pretty well in fact like the whole thing is is going to expand you know by about 12 percent uh by 2024 uh, like in a, in a decade that's a lot faster than most other occupations so that's the first thing it's growing the second thing is that the jobs are are are, are very diverse and all over the place like we tend to think of coding when we hear of coding, we think of like, you know, the person that goes to Silicon Valley and, you know, makes some app and the app maybe blows up or doesn't blow up. But it's that kind of idea. I'm, I'm going to make a piece of software that everyone's going to use. But the truth is that's a very, very small chunk of the coding universe that like, in fact, only on the order of only about 8% of all the programmers in the United States work in Silicon Valley. The rest are everywhere else. Like they are in whatever town you're in, they need coders, uh, whatever state you're in, they need coders. And, and those jobs, uh, they're often about things that are more like maintenance, right? Like you're, it's a bank. The bank has, ha, has what they call a front end. You know, it has the design that you see when you, when you log in. It's all JavaScript. And every once in a while, you know, every few months, browsers change, and someone has to be there to maintain and make sure all the JavaScript is compliant with the latest form of the browser, make sure things don't break, make sure, you know, any security bugs are fixed. So, you know, that type of work is like, is really steady. It's going to be necessary for decades and decades. 
Um, it's skilled work, uh, and it pays really well. Almost always when you look at any state, particularly, you know, like, like, you know, outside the coastal states where there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, like New York or San Francisco, everyone understands there's coding jobs there, but like all across like Tennessee and all across Ohio and all across Iowa and all across Wisconsin, there's all these coding jobs that are all very often very local and they have trouble recruiting because, you know, when people think of programming, they tend to head off to one of those big hubs, but there's all these coding jobs. They're necessary. They are, they're well-paid and they're, and they don't necessarily require like, you know, like they don't necessarily require the sort of super hot shot coder. You know, it could be someone who retrains, you know, in the middle of their career because they don't like what they're doing and they, and they study some coding and they learn it and it becomes a really steady job. Uh, you know, it, this is why, you know, I think I'm actually picking up when I call it like a blue collar work. You know, what I mean is it's, it's that sort of very, uh, uh, that very steady, terrific well-paid, interesting, like, you know, like, like a fun job to go to, um, you know, something has really concrete skills that are valued in the same way that, you know, we, when we think of blue collar work, we think of, you know, people working, you know, making houses, building cars, things like that. And those jobs have been going away. Right. But there are these, there are these jobs that are very much like blue collar jobs and they're programming jobs. So that's, I wanted to sort of kind of get people's brains thinking along those terms so they so they they could sort of imagine where those jobs are and and the different ways that you would prepare people for that type of programming job that's what i was really interested in fascinating and what else could you can you kind of assess for us about the future economy i mean i mean based on your past research um what would be the best paying computer science work versus other blue collar things how can we start right yeah yeah um i i'm not as up i couldn't necessarily tell you blow by blow comparison with um with uh with other industries uh, because I specialize mostly in technology but I can tell you I definitely can tell you that um in uh, in 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 there are different categories of work in technology um the lower paying ones will be the ones that are like um uh uh, uh you know like kind of like phone banking work where you're like you're trained in like a, a corporate product and people are calling in and they have trouble and you have to try and help them out. That's often an entry level job that you can get without, uh, without a big degree or anything like that, but it doesn't pay very well. Um, next up the chain would be things like a, like maybe like a web developer. So like, you know, someone comes to you and Hey, you know, we need this website built for us for this company, or you, we need this thing. We've got a website. It's ugly. We need it. We need it fixed. Um, that, that can definitely pay uh, that. That's, that's a big jump up in pay. Um, it's often very independent too. Those are the types of jobs that you can train yourself on by experimenting and learning stuff online. These free courses on HTML and JavaScript and CSS. Uh, you can build sites. A lot of people get their start uh, tinkering with um, uh, WordPress, which is this software. It's very popular. It's mm-hmm. an open source software. Anyone can look at the code, and it runs, you know, some very large proportion of or a very large minority of corporate sites around the world are run on on WordPress. So people can get their start by setting up WordPress blogs for themselves, tinkering with them, learning how to, how to customize them, how to make them look nice. And I've talked to so many people that had some terrible job that they didn't like. They learned a bit of WordPress in their spare time. They built a couple sites and then they just put up their shingle saying, Hey, does anyone in my local community need, you know, their corporate site done or a site for their restaurant? And they started doing that stuff. Then they had a portfolio. It was their side hustle. And then they were able to quit their job because they were making enough money out of it. And it's work you can do anywhere. They, they will help clients, you know, across the U S around the world. 
and they and they build by the hour and they do pretty well. So that's the next step up. The highest level in 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 coding work is what they call is when you're like a software developer. Uh, mm. So that's where someone's coming to you and saying, you know, there's an entire application that we need made. You know, maybe we're a company and let's say we have like a, a you know, maybe you know we have, we have a, a people putting in orders you know, for our service and we need those to be, we need a, an application that takes those orders in via the web and sends them out automatically to all of our um, contractors and drivers via text messaging, right? And that would be like, you know, soup to nuts application someone needs made. That, that job, you know, is the next layer up. And it's at that level, you're making really, really, really good money. Like you're making extremely good upper middle class money. So those are, those are some of the categories that, that you get into. Um, and the thing that's really interesting when you, when you start thinking about this as like, not as like, you know, you know, like make your billions by being Mark Zuckerberg in San Francisco, but make your steady middle class living that lets you actually have a family uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 a, and an affordable house and a retirement in, you know, in, in Ohio. Um, is you start thinking a little bit about, you know, well, our education, the way we educate people needs to change because right now, one of the things, if you wanted to study, formally study computer science, you would go and you would get a four-year degree in computer science. And the upside of that is that, you know, those people, if you have the money to pay for that, you know, you will get a job at the other end. Like there, are, there, is, like, there is a much larger demand than the supply for four-year college degrees. The problem is, is that those are expensive. And, you know, getting a four-year degree, not everyone can afford it. Uh, secondarily, it's a hard thing to retrain at in the middle of your career. Like maybe you've got a couple kids, and your company is just shut down, you are not going to be able to pay to send yourself to a four-year degree. So, but, but, the, but the other thing is you don't necessarily, for the types of jobs we're talking about here, you, know, you don't need that four years of study of computer science because they're going to teach you all this complicated stuff about sorting algorithms and how to make something run unbelievably quickly and efficient. And those are just not the things you're going to need to know to be able to fix someone's website be able to make someone a website, to be able to make someone a simple database where they can store information and bring it back. Man, you don't need that. You could learn that. You could learn that really well in like a two-year part-time degree at a community college, right? Hmm. And so, or you could learn it in what they call one of these boot camps where, you know, for like a a much small, like a fair amount of money, but much less than like a four-year degree. We're talking like maybe $15,000, $20,000. Again, a lot of money, but like not not four years of, you know, 25 grand a piece. Um, you know, you could, you, could, uh, you could train at one of these boot camps that are around, around the country. They, they, have a, they, they are in flux. They have a mixed record right. getting people hired. Some of, them have, some of them have very, very good records. Some of them are like scams, right, you know? So there, right. there's, there, there could definitely be, I think, some appropriate regulation of that industry. Um, I think, it, is, I think it, is, it has great promise, the idea of the... Of the of the intense short-term thing, some of the some of these boot camps have even had a type of a thing where they forego their um, their tuition and say we will just take a chunk of your pay for the first five years. You know, which again, there's all these very interesting ways of doing this that could that could close the gap between what the market needs and what the schools are producing, and also be very flexible for people who are trying to retrain for these jobs that are in their uh, late 20s or 30s or 40s or even 50s, right? And I've talked to people who've done that. They've made that transition, and they have great lives now. Like, they have, they have fantastic skills. They like their work. 
Um, so as a society, there are policies we can put in place that would make it um, easier to do this. Interesting. So speaking of those academies, before we go to our next question, or coding, you know, boot camps and academies, etc., I want to play a little clip for you. This clip is from a speech done at South by Southwest EDU. It's a very large technology conference for those who don't know. And the person speaking in the clip is Dr. Christopher Enden. He's an associate professor at Columbia University's Teachers College. He's also the author of the best-selling book for white folks who teach in the hood and the rest of y'all, too. Um, I'm playing this clip by Dr. Edmund because it kind of hints a little bit at his theory about coding work and it kind of is similar to what you said, but I think he has a, he's a little bit harsher of a critic. So I'll just let you listen to sure. what he says real quick. The second part about it in that quote is that leave us where we are so they can play amongst the stars, a perception amongst young people that the whole world is setting up for a different economy while they're being left in the places that they're in. Can I talk to y'all this morning? This idea of, of, of preparing folks to move amongst the stars is a reality in the contemporary STEM-focused era where everybody want to be so STEM, nobody's doing science, technology, engineering, or mathematics. The phrase that's taken on such a meaning that's so different from what its intentions are, that it's, that it's completely separated from the idea that you want folks to engage in STEM so they can be part of the STEM economy. So you got folks who have coding academies popping up. I throw a quarter on my head somebody in this room that has a coding academy that's they're starting up. And this is, this is not anti-coding academy. It's anti the perverse notion that I can go into a community, frame the charity I am giving them as opening up a new possibilities for them, when in reality I still have the low expectations of them, and I'm teaching them how to press a button and watch something jump. I can name an coding academy, when in reality you're not cheating. Cheat treating me or teaching me to engage fully in STEM or, or the world of computer science. You're just teaching and treating me as though I'm part of the lowest totem pole in that new economy. Look, you could, y'all ain't feeling me. You could, you, could, you could coding academy your way into creating a new populace that's a worker in the STEM workforce. And how is that any different than creating somebody who's just a worker in the existing workforce? So... Now, Endem's clip has some critiques about the emerging workforce that's a bit harsher than you, than you describe it, of course. But <laughs> he, does, um, he does note some interesting points about teaching coding in low-income communities and being prepared yep. to be part of, like, quote, the lowest totem pole in the new economy. Yeah, and yep, yep. I understand that's not what you're saying, but it kind of shares a similar thread in questioning the coding movement or what you're preparing people for in the future. And I just want to know your thoughts on this drive to push coding into low-income communities. What do you think people are doing yeah. right, and what do you think people could use some improvement with? Well, here's the thing. He's absolutely right about one thing, which is this. Like, historically, whenever any uh, field has just, like, white guys doing it, it pays really well. You know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, that's just the way that privilege works out, right? Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, what happened with coding was it started off as a thing that just women did in the 40s and 50s, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. um, back in the 40s and 50s, the sort of highly paid stuff was making the machines. No one knew how to even physically make a computer. So that was where the heroic work was. So the men did that, and they were like, well... Issuing the instructions, that seems kind of secretarial. Let's let women do that. So all the pioneering programmers of the, of the 40s and 50s were literally all women, or most were women. And then, of course, what happened is that as the programming became more valuable, it became where the, it became where the glory was. 
all the white dudes moved in and took over. And that, this is the story of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and up to the 90s. Now what's happening, and I think what, what this gentleman's speaking to, is that um, coding is now so broad a discipline, there's so, there's so much need for it, that there is like the super elite stuff where you, get, you, you become a millionaire, you know? And then there's the stuff yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't pay as well that, uh, you know, could, it's almost like the equivalent of maybe like the pink collar ghetto, right? You know, like the, mm. the kind of like the sort of, yes, it's a white collar job. You're in an office, but you're just a secretary or something like that. Right? Mm. Um, and so uh, he is correct that, that is emerging um, because already you can see, for example, that a lot of jobs that involve what they call front end design, um, you know, doing the JavaScript that uh, displays the way a website's going to work is often uh, um, it needs to be rewritten very frequently because things change, and it's seen as less kind of heroic and more artistic. And so, there's way more there's way more women and people from non traditional backgrounds in that area, but the pay is lower and the prestige is lower. Um, so so I, I don't think he's wrong at all um, about the way that, they, like, you know, we've seen this pattern happen so many times in so many industries that it, it would, it's not surprising it's happening in coding. Um, that said, I still think it is, we're still at a point now where for the next 10 to 20 years, I do think there's going to be, you know, a lot of good, pretty well-paying work in this area, right? You know, it is, it is, a lot of it is a darn sight better um, than what you get in like really cruddy service sector jobs. And secondarily, once you, th- th- this is a sort of a unique field programming in where, you know, once you know a bit of it, you can learn a lot more on your own and you can grow into different areas, right? Like, like one of the big sexy areas right now is quote unquote machine learning, you know, where you, you know, you're sort of training AI to be able to recognize things, do things on its own. And it sort of sounds like rocket science, but it's really not. You just need to know enough of the code and be able to go on and learn more about it. So I'm a, uh, like, and this, this is in many ways is remarkable, right? There's not a lot of other forms of engineering that we have where you can self-train in because, you know, if you want to build jets, you know, aerospace engineering, they don't let just self-trained amateurs show up at Boeing and, uh, and, like, and start building planes alongside the pros. But that mm-hmm. happens all the time in software, you know, where there's someone who did a little bit, did the stuff that, like, I think this gentleman is worried about, where you get in just in the low end. But if they have industry and ambition, it's actually possible and even common uh, for people to sort of move up. It's definitely a lot harder from people that are not from, you know, Ivy League schools, all that stuff, all those, all the, all the inequities that you see in regular education are completely here. Don't get me wrong. But it, this is a surprisingly, I think, more, this is one of the, um, I suppose, least clotted with traditional uh, um, sort of uh, inequities uh, industries that I've seen. Not that it doesn't have them, but it's like, it's compared to a lot of other areas, it, 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 I think it has, it, it still has great promise over the next 10 or 15 years. Excellent. Well, um, before we close, I want to pivot a little bit and ask you about the book you're working on. I know you, I saw, I talked to you a little bit about this before, um, that you're writing a book about how programmers think. And That's right. 
And so, great. So I wanted to know, um, how does your work relate to the concept of computational thinking? Now, this concept is something that I've heard educators talk about, something that would help coding, kind of basically, tr the way I've heard it described, I'm not the expert on this, but the way I've heard it described is that it trains people how to think like computers by decomposing problems in an algorith algorithmic step-by-step -step type of fashion. So I'm curious, yeah. um, it, how is computation? Is it computa is computational thinking kind of close to what you're writing about? What do you mean by how programmers think? So yeah, yeah, computational thinking is definitely part of how programmers think, which is to say, you know, when, when you spend even a very, very little bit of time learning how to program the most simple things, what you quickly learn is that you have to. A computer is a very literal-minded thing. It does exactly what you tell it to do, but only if you're exactly precise in your instructions. And mm -hmm. so you have to take every little, like if you're going to be like, okay, I, I need it so that when you type something into this, into this field and you hit enter, it, you know, it gets stored you know, inside the program so you can retrieve it later. And like, oh my God, so you have to like from, start from the very beginning, like how do I get it to display the little box where you, you type it in now? How do I get it to display a button? Now how do I get it so that it knows when the button, and you have to break everything down and think very logically. And then you, you also have to think, well, if this happens, this has to happen. And if that happens, that has to happen. This is computational thinking. And it's very valuable as a kind of almost like a life skill because the more you do even a little bit of programming, the more you start becoming very good at taking complex things and breaking them down into little manageable packages and think through logical flow. And this becomes very useful for all sorts of fields. Like even when you're not doing computer programming. It, it helps you think about how to solve problems. It helps you think about um, how to manage, you know, everyday tasks, how to manage things in your career. So I find that like one of the things that's sort of, you know, almost philosophically useful about learning a little bit of programming is that it gives you a glimpse at this way of approaching tasks and problems all around the world. And it's really funny. You talk to a lot of programmers, and they, they do so much programming that they almost can't turn that ability off. It almost becomes too intense, right? Like, they would literally be standing at a street corner, like, mentally critiquing the way people are crossing the street because it's not efficient enough, right? You know, like, they, 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 they kind of become, it almost becomes an overdeveloped muscle uh, that threatens to burst out of the skin. Um, so, so there, but, but, I, but I really do, I really do think it is a, 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 a useful, interesting mental skill that comes from even engaging in a very small amount of programming. Wow, so when can we expect that book? You can expect it hopefully next fall. It depends on how much I get done the next few months, but that's the goal. Okay, so we'll keep the pressure on you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's called, the book is called Hello World. Hello like World, okay. Okay, great. So we'll look for that, and we'll probably try and have you back on after it's out there. So thank you so Fantastic. much for coming to the Ed Surge On Air podcast. Thank you for joining me. I, I had a great time. It's a great subject to talk about. This has been the Ed Surge On Air podcast. This episode was produced and edited by me, Jenny Abamu, and you can give us a grade on the quality of this podcast by rating us on iTunes or sending an email to us at feedback at edsurge.com. You can also subscribe to us on your iPhone podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back next week with more on the future of education. <laughs>